Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout-out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, We've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, His wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. And hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon hey what's that april some kind of weird japanese antique uh, egg timer bid you to leave the castle. You have disgraced me. It is you who have disgraced me, father, with your unjust war. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is your boy Wolfie here once again. Ohio, Ogozaimas, as Splinter <laughs> might say. Um, and I'm here with... Konnichiwa, y'all. This is Andrew. And Ben is not here with us this time around, but we got an excellent episode here for you all here today. We're going to be covering... What is it? 
In this episode, we're going to continue and conclude uh, our coverage of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles core trilogy of films, live action with the costumes and all that. Um, we're going to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. You wanted it. It'll be good. Actually, I was kicking and screaming kind of going into it and then actually enjoyed a little bit more than I thought I would out of the film. So it wasn't like a total a total shit show, you know, much maligned. Not as good as the first one, but I wouldn't say it's like so much worse than the second I, one anyway. If you haven't seen this movie since you were a kid or you've never seen it, I have to say it's better than Batman and Robin is. And we gave that movie a decent review for what it was as well. If you go back and look at those episodes, listen to those episodes, like it's fine. I hadn't seen this movie since I was probably like God eight or nine. Probably you could tell, you could tell even then, I think I saw it in the theater. I'm pretty sure, but I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I remember seeing secret of the ooze in the theater. I remember them saying eclectic, you know, and shit (laughs) like that. I yeah. don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I would have seen this. There's no world in which I would have not seen this in the theater. Yeah. It's said to have done pretty well, actually, when it was released. It was just like critically panned and then just kind of dismissed right out the gate. They just pretty much, the budget was super small, so without you know a healthy bit of imagination, it's, it's a little rough. It's a little TV-level uh, film, but... Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it does have a, a handful of things that stand out and that are, I think, val- uh, valid to to readdress, to reassess, if you will. Yeah, so anyway, I will. on this episode, we're going to get into it a little bit and continue on in the tradition of our Ninja Turtles episodes. And with that, I'll just give you the main core facts and factoids. And Andrew's got some out of left field yeah. factoibles to share as well. Factoibles. <laughs> That's, if, a, that's a super house superhero stuff coined phrase copyright without further ado teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 sometimes known with an incorrect subtitle of turtles in time which did show up on a few dvd cases throughout the you know at some did point it, was it really official on some cases after the fact it is it it appears that maybe what i'm guessing is like one of those multi-packs or something and maybe they had that subtitle because at the same time that the movie came out the game version, uh, the SNES game and arcade version of Turtles in Time had been released. That's the thing. I, I, so I did my own little research for this too. Like we said, I'll be mm-hmm. giving some out of left field information later. Mm-hmm. But like most of my friends at the time in elementary school, I don't remember ever calling it Turtles in Time. That was a Super Nintendo yeah. game. Yeah. That's it. But I Never. guess since you know we left that movie... That's what's happened with that whole thing. This could also be a case of the Mandala effect or whatever they call it. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's yes, like, because yes, I, rem- yes. I feel like I did see a collection of these films there and it said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. I swear I've seen it, but maybe it's just been implanted in my head by doing the research for this. You know, it's yeah. one of those things. But I know for a fact that it's incorrectly subtitled. Or if, you know, somebody, some dweeb on the streets wants to play it off as it is you know you know just look up the information you know it's not officially that so angry video game nerd does point out in his review of it that in the poster there is nothing but black negative space under the three and so he speculates that there was supposed to be a subtitle like secret of the interesting yeah 
because uh, the, the second one had it, why not the third one? So maybe it lost it somewhere along the way. Time Scepter, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, it would have done well with a little bit more of a budget, but they must have just, well, we'll get into it. It released in 1993. It was written and directed by Stuart Gillard, who he seems to have had fun with what he was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. Certainly he did. The dialogue is interesting, well-textured, we'll say. It's based on the fictional superhero team, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and is the sequel to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, as well as the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from 1989. It's the final installment of the original trilogy, and it was produced by Clearwater Holdings Limited and Golden Harvest, who was involved throughout the whole thing. And they they kind of, I don't think they really got it, Golden Harvest, honestly, in terms of marketing these. And and throughout, the one thing that seems to have stuck out was that Golden Harvest kind of rushed things, especially going into the sequel, you know, the, the story they that was proposed and then the story it ended up with you know it seems like for such a big property at that time maybe they if they cared a little bit handled it with a little bit of tlc it would have been a better trajectory of the rest of the trilogy but i feel like golden harvest was just trying to sell as much as they could because they they knew it was popular in the states and they had the license to the films because it was martial arts but also i wonder if it was as popular in japan uh you know i've talked with people about this not about this movie, but just overall, yeah. you know, popularity. And they do know of it, especially if they're around our age. They've yeah. probably not seen the cartoon, not very many, or even that Japanese version that had like, what, six episodes? Or it was like a yeah. season. Like, they're, they're aware of it. They are aware of it, but they don't, I don't think they know a whole, all that much about it. The weird okay. thing is, anime is such a huge thing in the West not just America, but in Europe too. Yeah. And but the thing is, American cartoons don't have the same kind of subculture vibe in Japan. They're aware hmm. of Family Guy mm-hmm. and Simpsons and stuff like that, but they don't. It's just not like a whole subculture like it is here. Yeah. yeah. So I I don't know why that is. Interesting. Yeah. So that's my theory. Is like maybe Golden Harvest was more they were more interested in the aspect of it being a martial arts film in the, in the parts that it was. But I think they, my theory is that they didn't have any idea what they were working with in terms of the cultural impact the turtles had at the time. So that's why I think maybe, you know, fans and critics alike probably didn't like this movie as much. Um, And I'm surprisingly the, the attitude I have towards it now is like, you know, I did not expect, I really expected to just absolutely hate the entire experience of it. It is bad. It is bad, but it's not, it's, you know, not as bad as Batman and Robin. I can agree. Um, can I, can I ask, what is the problem with this movie? You think ultimately pull up user reviews on, on the IMDb for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three to try and get to the bottom of why it's perceived as being so bad. Uh, the first one right out the gate is a six out of 10. It says, I love it. An underrated solid action fun sequel from my childhood. Um, if you love it, you would give it more than a six. Right. He That's says, all teenage, I'm saying here. He says, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, in my opinion, is an underrated, solid, good sequel to the original flick. Everyone hates this film and and going from the second... He's not a very good writer. Going for the second <laughs> film, this one gets the crap for it, and the second one gets the praised... Um, <laughs> this uh, Anyway, not to read his whole review, but going down another six out of ten, not the best, but still a laugh. 
8 out of 10. Good family fun. I remember when this movie came out, I was 9 years old, and I really loved this film. Now I'm watching it again, and I can see why it didn't get good reviews. But it's a family film. It's not good as the first two sequels, but still manages to hold its own. I bought the collection because I love the collection. I highly recommend watching at least once. The graphics are a bit dated on the Turtles, but still a good film. There aren't any graphics on the Turtle, but I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> okay, so those are the IMDb effects. Let's go to Rotten Tomatoes real quick. <laughs> because you know this is probably rated higher than RoboCop 3. Uh, RoboCop with, 3 was, I, I, I feel like I can no longer trust Rotten Tomatoes. And I, <laughs> a lot of people have already stopped trusting them. But I... Yeah. More or less, like generally agreed with Rotten Tomatoes until I saw RoboCop three, the tour de force that was that film. No, but I did think it was be- way better than three percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we got a twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes for TMNT three, um, the audience score of which is thirty four percent. But let's see what some of the critics had to say about this less amateurish than the 1990 original less embarrassing than the 1991 sequel with its mind-boggling vanilla ice ninja rap number this may be the easiest installment in the series for parents to sit through that's not that negative are you Um, serious see i i have a hard time believing that what's the next one a decided case of diminishing returns leonard clady from variety uh okay uh, the, the wisecracks have been cut back and where once the ninjas dude speak was original influencing for example wayne's world it's now merely imitative i mean i don't really agree with that what they do in this movie is they throw out a a joke every second they don't all land but the ones that do they i think work and a lot of those are due to robbie wrist who plays michelangelo i think he's actually a funny guy and to me that that's the michelangelo voice i hear in my head if i'm reading the comics or you know what i mean yeah 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 true Uh, um this guy conroy of michelangelo this guy's a total snob. The first film was bad, the second worse, and the third almost unbearable. James Bardinelli, real views. Well, let me tell you something. That guy sucks. Yeah, he's brutal. <laughs> Jeez, have a laugh, guy. Live a little. If you don't Ninja like Turtle. that first Ninja Turtles movie, I got nothing to say to you. <laughs> I got nothing to say to you. This one's a very te- tepid one, but I think it's pretty funny. Ninja Turtles travel to ancient Japan. Some mild peril. Barbara Schuglasser, Schulgasser from Common Sense Media. But what? Okay. But what do you think? What do you think is wrong? Why does um, this movie get like? Why is it the worst of the bunch? I think it suffers from being overly kiddy, and not in terms of some of the heart elements to it, which I think it does have good heart. I think the Yoshi subplot is good with Raph. Um, But I think just catering to a younger audience and then having such a low budget, having the production company uh, putting little faith into its creation and and just probably not seeing the returns that they want went into the process of it being probably rushed. The, the, The plot itself is really choppy. The whole Casey Jones thing with the the honor guard learning hockey and everything is like it goes from being like Pee Wee's Playhouse with Casey Jones and Splinter and those guys, and yeah. then the, then you get back to feudal Japan and with the turtles and everything. It's like oh, this is not, you know pretty engaging. This is kind of an interesting setting for these characters to be in. They should have had Splinter go with. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I think it suffers from its plot, its writing, and <laughs> so you know, its pace. It's a lot plot, of things. Characters, pacing. 
mainly, yeah, pacing and plot for the yeah. most part. I can forgive a lower budget. How many great shitty horror movies are there with right. a low ass budget? You know, so what if the yeah. if Leonardo looks like he has buck teeth? <laughs> Dude, the teeth look huge on 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 these on this version of the turtles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brought to us by All Effects, apparently. Yeah, um, All Effects. But uh, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint because I guess it's just pacing and some plot points like the Casey Jones thing and all that. Yeah. And there's not there's not a whole lot of great like emotional scenes except for that Yoshi subplot and the grandfather. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see more of him too. Yeah. This movie is all about Raph seemingly. They want to feel accepted and they do feel accepted. It's mm-hmm. a very good plot reason they feel accepted because they saved that kid in the village. Yeah. I do like that. They addressed good. that like right at the beginning when Raphael's like throwing the tantrum or whatever. He's like, nobody knows we're down here. Nobody knows we're alive and shit like that. And it's always, a question I've always been able to like suspend disbelief in order to like, Oh, they're happy. They're fine. Turtles are having adventures. They're doing just fine. But truly, you know, in this film, they go to address that. Um, and when they're in feudal Japan, after they go back in time, they're, uh, you know, Raph and Mikey are like, we want to stay here. We're appreciated in this time. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty interesting. It was, you know, those were the deeper parts that I thought were actually pretty good that were running through it. Also notice that Donatello has a lot of screen time in terms of the fight sequences. You know, it seems like with Raph and Leo, you got to limit the amount of swords and stabby objects and Michelangelo, you got to limit his, his footage to a certain degree to cater to the UK market because you can't show chain sticks. That's right. (laughs) I noticed this. I was going to bring this up later, but almost every single finishing move to the fight, each, you know, eat with each dude that they fight yeah. is a kick. It's, oh. it's mostly kicks yeah. In, yeah. in this movie. Donatello gets a lot of good screen time and a lot of good yeah. bow staff use throughout the whole film, I noticed. He's kind of front and center when it comes to fighting, which is pretty cool, you know. When you think about um, Eastman or Laird's, I forget which, uh, talking about saying that their favorite character is Donatello, it's like these are one of the moments within the the franchise that you get where you're like, yeah, I remember that, you know, part three may not have been super great, but Donatello was fucking people up. He's fucking shit up yeah, starting some shit yeah. in three. <laughs> the fights still aren't quite as they're not, even the fights aren't super great too. And the, there's no fight in the movie. I timed it. I stopped it. Cause I wanted to say, uh-huh. see where it was. There's no fight until 30 minutes in. Yeah, I was wondering about that too. I'm like, what do we, you know, there's a lot of setup in this movie. And I think one of the things for me that was just so cringeworthy is I loved seeing Casey Jones back, but it's like they, it's like they just had him repeat his funny lines and and some of the turtles funny lines from the first movie just to keep your attention. And then the whole thing with the hockey thing. I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't feeling it. Um, But I also thought they could have, that was weak, very weak. Yeah. And then how they had Elias Cotes play, a character in the past named wit who, you know, there's, we perceive that maybe there's some ambiguous connection just cause they're the same actor in some way. I really yeah. wish they would have not. I mean, it was already, you know, the pot's already pretty full, but I almost wish they would have, um, had him be a long lost relative of Casey somehow. Uh, yeah. 
but you know, I don't know. It just seems like why even do that? That could have been any actor for it to be him. And he had a terrible English accent. No offense, yes. bro, but yes. you know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Those aspects I think really hindered it. And the costumes at first are really hard to accept based on the Jim Henson creature shop work from the first two yeah. films. Yeah. But I do get used to it by the end of it. And they looked pretty durable. They were doing a lot more acrobatic kind of stuff and hitting the ground with them. So I was like, very convincing, oh, you know, for falling what we off had. the horses in that one scene. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Kudos to the turtle samurai armor, man. I love that shit where they have the the like battle mask things going on. That's the thing. This movie should be better than it is because it is a move that you want them to do like it's ninjas right you want them to go to japan uh yeah and it's it makes sense in a lot of ways but it's just yeah it just sort of falls apart but it's not again go back and watch it if you're interested i mean if you listen to this podcast you are it's not that bad like we're both saying it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, when it starts off, it starts pretty rough too. It's really hokey. The jokes are half like con- conceived and um, they're really rushing you into their big story build with this antique uh, scepter thing. They have one in the future or in the present where we are. And there's the, it's counterpart in the past, which is connected to this Japanese uh, this this family this this saga that's going on with this family in ancient Japan. Um, yes. Which you know again that like the scepter I think is cool that you know that the shape of that thing is very iconic. I think if you were still buying turtle toys at this time, which we probably both were, that scepter was floating around everybody's toy box. You know, yeah. TMNT three was a big part of my life in the action figure realm. I'm sure of it with the samurai armor and everything. Um. I probably had that. I did. I had all. I had the. I think I had the clown Ninja Turtles. At least one or two of them. Oh I yeah. Had the cowboy ones. All, all. You know, there was a point at which they were just pumping out all ridiculous versions, right? That yeah. Weren't any. Yeah. I was. I was buying a lot. I was buying a lot yeah. of that shit. No, they were my great. Parents and, were. And actually, this it was the, with this sequel that the the movie stars Turtles finally got released. The ones that were a little bit more rubbery and had spots. They were a little bit more realistic. Uh, Golden Harvest thought that the franchise had reached the end of its movie career. The project went forward with low expectations, little fanfare, and a modest $17 million budget. Yeah. The box office de- it debuted at number one at a gross of $12.4 million on two- over 2,000 screens, grossed $42 million, uh, worldwide gross of $54 million. See, 42 in the U.S., 54 worldwide, so it's mostly U.S., yeah. Um, barely more than half of that of the previous film and roughly one quarter of the first considered a disappointment, ultimately. Um, also, another little tidbit here. It was not screened for critics. They knew it was bad. Yeah. yeah. Unlike the two previous movies, New Line did not provide advanced screenings for critics until opening day. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it seems like it was a case of like, you know, we know the kids are going to buy it. The toys are being the the toy market's still huge. We know they're going to go to it. Like, why even send it to the critics so they can lambast? You know, they're just going to all they're going to do is convince parents not to go take their kids to the movie. Probably not, though. They're just going to make for miserable parents. 
So this why is the even? thing I, I, I thought too. Like, so they're they're probably shooting this film in ninety two ish, maybe late ninety one, because it's uh, going to come out in ninety three. Well, I guess that's that's still at the height though. The height that's like the height of their popularity. But maybe they were starting to see the trend wane, like like right. corporate projections or whatever the fuck. Yeah. The thing is, like in in our eyes, the Ninja Turtles boom was like feels like it was ten years long. Because we were right. going through kid time, and t- kid time is very slow. <laughs> but ultimately, it was what, like five years? It was 89 to what, 94 maybe? 95? That makes By sense, By the time yeah. Power Rangers yeah. were out in 95, 94, I think Ninja Turtles had more or less had its main run done. Yeah. Don't yeah. you think? I, I had X-Men to bridge the gap. Yes, yes, you yes. Know? And, then, and then, yeah, I think you're right, and then brings us into the power rangers as they were released that sounds about right because shortly after that it was like into later middle school years it feels like it was forever though it feels like we were totally and ninja turtles were a thing for a such a long time but if we weren't five to ten it was probably you know not not that long in adults eyes yeah yeah flash in the pan almost which is kind of sad in some way but <laughs> like if you dial it back if you look at it on paper you know these green ninja turtle guys and this wacky scenario they've been put in um throughout comics and movies and cartoons and everything it's like yeah it doesn't seem like it should be something that works and i think that's like the the one of the great and funny things about the lasting legacy of of it is that it's just like a such a funky concept it's like crazy enough to work you know and and at least yes. for that that amount of time it did so in terms of turtles 3 here it's we saw the return of casey jones like we said he wasn't in the second one he was only in the first one last time we saw him him and april were kissing um which was <laughs> nice i was uh and we also have the return of Corey feldman as the voice of donatello Sad. Producers invited Corey Feldman to reprise his role for the first film as Donatello. The filmmakers told Corey they felt bad about not casting him for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Use. However, when Corey asked for more money than the $1,500 he was was paid on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990, Corey was told, yeah, but you were in rehab. Corey was denied the raise and was again paid only $1,500 for his voice work. (laughs) Uh, That's just so insane. That it, this is the most popular thing, at least in American, I'm assuming probably Canada too, right. like, you know, and, and a lot of Europe as well. I have a Dutch friend that loves Ninja Turtles, but like, it, it's just, it's just crazy that he only got paid this much. He could, right. he could pay like at that time, probably his rent one and a half times. I don't know where he was living at that time in LA, but you know, it's just yeah. nuts. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, you would think for a new film, his agents or his representation would have helped negotiate a better contract. But perhaps this was one of those projects. He was probably maybe he was still going through a rough patch as he'd done th- as he'd done this. You know, um, yeah. I'm not quite sure the timeline, but you know, Corey, we're glad you're not on heroin anymore. Was it heroin? And, uh, I'm sure. I mean, they yeah. it, the, there's a documentary about. Corey Haim's life and the, uh, like them together. I forget the two Corys, I believe it's called. Yeah. Um, or is it a book a documentary or something? But um, I th- uh, an excerpt from that I remember seeing says something about like they were, they were introduced to many different drugs very early on in their careers and their lives. So 
Um, I yeah. believe he was in rehab during Secret of the Ooze for heroin addiction. Uh, okay. I think it's one of the things we did. Yeah, you got another tidbit. Let's ping pong here. What do you got? Okay, ping pong in it. All right. Practical effects studio. Let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah. The creature effects were provided by the All Effects Company rather than Jim Henson's Creature Shop this time around, uh, it, that, which acted as the providers for the previous films. All Effects Company, uh, they were known... They started in 1983 There's a, by a guy named Eric Allard, and uh, they got known for making over 100 commercials with the Energizer Bunny. They made the fucking Energizer oh, Bunny. Oh, wow. Those yes. 80s. Yes. So they nice. had they had a name for themselves. They've done this before. That's a they decent also, pedigree. It's a decent enough. <laughs> We're working with 17 enough. million. <laughs> decent enough. They also worked on, I think, yeah, definitely after the fact, um, Demolition Man, Alien yes. Resurrection. At oh, least, yeah. At least in part. A lot of times the big movies will hire several companies. But right. uh, a movie called Virus and then also Stuart Little. Those were listed. So definitely Demolition Man, mm-hmm. probably my favorite out of that list. But um, that's the main thing I got. But it's just, even though I respect the hustle, but they're just not quite as good as Henson. And maybe their budget is not a Henson budget. They did okay. you know. The- <laughs> they move around. I tell you what, though. I mean, I guess they, they yeah. all did this. But they, like, they're able to do full-on crazy martial arts Yeah, you yeah. know, in these suits. And... Uh, this guy was no different. Yeah. The facial expressions were lacking in certain parts. There was one part where Michelangelo is looking really like he's supposed to be looking sad as inferred by the dialogue or whatever, but it's like the mach- machinery behind the mask is trying to figure out what is sad look. You know? and, <laughs> and then they the, the cut the splinter and the splinter one is like, it's just cheaper. It's like the same design. It's just much cheaper, um, you know, and it's like t- these two machines that are can't almost can't emote are trying to emote and it was <laughs> it was pretty rough it was pretty comical I, actually but i gotta say they make i think they choo, probably choo, do this choo, i think choo, they do this choo. in the other movies too but choo. i notice it more this time around but donatello does sort of have like geeky expressions mm-hmm. he looks he's got like a like a dork kind of look not just his okay. face but his actual expressions they're able to kind of sure. convey that pretty yeah. well yeah Raph, pretty good he's got the most emotional scenes too which is cool and uh, Leo and oh, Mikey's pretty funny, especially with the Hawaiian stuff. Leo really pretty much gets the shaft this time around, but it's fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. They they give them each a few good character moments. I will say that I liked not all, but most of Michelangelo's humor in this. That's like the one thing that I get really fanboy about. Because it, it can be cringeworthy sometimes. Yeah, to me it can be like kind of cringeworthy if it's not handled right. And I feel like, you know, Robbie Riss, the guy who does, who's done the voice for Mikey through all three films, he's he's the voice to me. And so a lot of these jokes fall flat in, in this third one, but not, not all of them do. I really liked the first time he meets Mitsu and he's like, trying to hit on her or something and just yeah. like as the scene ends and she walks away michelangelo's like hey what's your sign or something like he's still going <laughs> and the timing of it was really good you could tell there's a lot of what's called punch up in this movie yeah. like back end jokes inserted there's a lot of that but i think oh yeah like cut I away think, and they're saying a line offhanded or something yeah they must have bought robbie wrist some zimas and just had him go robbie wrist this is a this is a really le- uh, left field comment here Robbie yeah. Wrist, let me find my thing. Uh, 
he has a trademark R symbol next to his name in the credits. <laughs> yeah, I saw what that. What the fuck is that all about? He, he's known for playing Cousin Oliver on the Brady Bunch. Hmm. Um, that was a little before my time. I, I did watch Brady yeah. Bunch a little bit on Nick at Night, but yeah. mo- didn't watch it a whole lot. This is another one, dude. This is a crazy one. I'll, I'll ping pong back to you in a minute. Yeah. Just after this. Yeah. Fucking Robbie Rist helped provide the music for Sharknado. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like the 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 uh, multi-talented, <laughs> you know, Hollywood B-list that, that yeah. seems to go through some of these movies, man. It's great. Um, he voices Marota in Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X-2 as well. And that's all I got for Robbie Rist, but nice. say, it's like a whole credit list going. I'm noticing it. It's like he's got the R symbol on his in the credits. I just thought it was so. F- I, funny. I noticed that as well. Yeah, there's also another. Um, so some other returning cast members from previous films. Mark Queso, the performer inside of the Leonardo costume, is the only cast member to return from Secret of the Ooze. Uh, Brian Tochi, the voice of Leonardo, and Robbie Rist, who we just talked about, are the only actors who appeared in all three movies in the trilogy. The film's concept actually comes from a story called Masks from issues number 46 and 47 of the original Mirage comics. Uh, the story features the turtles and Re- a character named Rene traveling back to feudal Japan to fight an evil shogun and engage in samurai battles. This film is part of a multimedia Feudal Japan Ninja Turtles event with the mask story first appearing in the comics in 92, the third film released in 93, and the Turtles and Splinter traveling back to Feudal Japan to fight Shredder in, the late, in a late 1993 episode of the cartoon. Um, since then, traveling back to Feudal Japan has been become a staple for the Ninja Turtles. I did, is, I did read that, cool. yeah. That's uh, I, I'd love to read those comments. I actually, I've never read the original comics. I need to go and do that. There's always uh, a Ninja Turtles around. Yeah, I mean, is Rise yeah. of a Ninja Turtles still going on? And Nickelodeon? Yeah, it's still going on. I think it's going into its final season. Don't quote okay. me on that. Um, I still got to go watch through that, but I've seen a couple episodes, and the animation is good. Can't tell you a whole lot of what's going on, but it's definitely a different flavor than what we're used to and probably the next generation under, But but I really appreciate it, and... And now, you know, I'm starting to embrace these different iterations of turtles. You know, if if you can swallow the pill that is TMNT3, you know, it's not that big of a pill, but if you can swallow it, then you could probably <laughs> deal with these other iterations. And well, um, it's almost a non comment, but like, as long as it's good, I don't care what it is. As long as, yeah. if, if you change it up, make just and, ma- whatever you do, if you, cha- if you change a few elements here and there, as long as the actual story itself is good, I'm not really one to get super stuck on canon i'm just not that kind of guy generally speaking yeah yeah for sure i think it's cool to see how because we're always going to have these core four characters well five if you count splinter you know and then the the other ones april and casey tend to come along in different iterations as well but you have these core characters they're always gonna they're gonna stick around you know they're like any great superhero batman or superman they're uh it's it's about it's the changes that make them fun throughout time and i I like that because you know your knee-jerk reaction is like no it's not the same as the thing i love but a little bit down the line as you are able to absorb that as the hype simmers down as the dust settles over the criticism you're able to appreciate the turtles for what they are and in, in each iteration what generation they're for and i certainly do even though the michael bay ones are kind of at the bottom of my list for sure um 
yeah. I was pleasantly surprised to find Team NT3 is is not not all that terrible. You know, it suffers from some pretty glaring kind of things here and there, but it's I I thought it was pretty enjoyable. Yeah, um, I, I could have done without the overacting British guys, but they <laughs> fulfilled their role to a T. I hate them, and we saw them get their comeuppance, so <laughs> you know, no big deal. I also hey, thought evil, the fighting evil was British guys yeah. is it's a good villain. It's like it's almost yeah. like n- Nazis and, uh, and yeah and Russian commies. You know, like there's <laughs> just something about especially just just the just the history of British Empire fucking over a lot of yeah. a lot of nations. Which also there's you know in retrospect there's a somewhat of a fair bit of representation here in that regard. You know, there's like. You have the the feudal lord and Kenshin, his son, and they're conflicting. And you have the. I would like to say something about that too. They 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 go in and out of speaking Japanese, even amongst each other. And like English, sometimes yeah. they sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. There's not a whole lot of logic to it. At least they explain a little bit how that British are there teaching people and the missionaries. Donnie says something gets interrupted in that one scene, which is cool. Uh, yeah. Vivian Wu, um, she is Chinese, but she says one line in Japanese, and her accent's pretty damn good. Uh, and the other dudes, like the hockey dudes, do seem to be straight up Japanese. So, like, no, obviously, no issue right. there. She's yeah. trying to notice any kind of like uh, accent problems, but uh, but yeah, that was you know that part, the actual Japanese part of it, the way the yeah. castles look, the costumes. The cat, uh-huh. the you know, uh, Sab Shimono playing the uh, Shogun or whatever he is, um, that's that's all good, you know. I mean, I, I'm bringing this up because you brought up you know diversity or whatever in a movie this old, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that part is handled fairly yeah. well yeah. overall. And even yeah. though April, I don't, I, want, I don't want to leave this episode without mentioning Paige Turco's April, her final turn is April in this film she was good i liked how her hair was short and she was a little bit more yeah. involved in this one yeah um yeah. i you know i could honestly have done with a fourth installment with Paige turco doing april again um they you know they have her cut the samurai kimono short to make like a little samurai skirt kind of deal uh f- to give her more mobility comfortability to show her legs i don't know take your pick mostly show her legs mostly show her legs yeah but it was cool in that regard to see her like kind of trouncing around with the turtles in ancient japan and kind of going off on her own little small story they kind of played more into exploring some of the characters a little bit more which was fun um i don't think i don't think she was given a whole lot to work with same thing with Casey, but I think what they did was good. It was nice to see them at the end. They're all laughing as the final dance number. So I'm like, they didn't really address whether or not they're a couple still or whatever that's going on there. But, you know, everybody's a group of friends. <laughs> you know, everybody's all together. Um, How'd you feel about the turn that uh, British Casey does where he turns out to be evil? Um, It was fine. You know, I felt like they could have consolidated the character get rid of the little sniveling uh uh what would you call him the little the main british goon yeah the main british goon i could not stand that guy I could go i believe Ail- you must mean john aylward john aylward uh, who yeah. plays grandpa bill in shameless right now <laughs> i like this actor he's <laughs> done many a good thing in hollywood he's a recognizable face but 
the direction in this in terms of some of the acting or I don't know what's going on here, but his performance is so cringeworthy throughout this whole film. I mean, leave it in. It's comical for that respect. I but didn't think it was out of place. No, he was, uh, he's, uh, he's being upstaged by the main guy. Yeah. But that's why that guy's the main guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you, know, you know, I just those guys are slimy to me. Maybe it's just a bias because bro- they're the bad guys. You, you hate British people. Let's just let's just get it out. There. <laughs> oh god, I'm outed. Um, but <laughs> to answer your question, uh, it was a good enough twist, you know. And I suppose even having Elias Cotes play that role to give us a familiar face and like, you know, what's this guy's motivation? What's he all about? Only to have him turn evil. It's kind of getting the payoff of Casey turning evil without Casey having to actually do that. So it's an interesting emotional device that was used, I'll say, you know, Um, and she does. April has like feelings for that situation because he is so familiar to this other person she knows in the present time, which that's why I think if they would have just, you know, they already had a bunch of junk in this thing to begin with. So why not just throw another piece on the pile and make it like some long lost relative of Casey instead of naming him wit, just call him. Maybe, I mean, you know, call him Jones or something. You know, I don't know. It could be right on the nose. Who cares, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think that would have gotten a little bit more of that emotional payoff, maybe. I don't know. It was there. It was there. It was interesting. I feel like they tricked us, but it was there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Into some Feeling something, you know, something in particular by casting him that way. Because otherwise, it's weird. Is he just getting two paychecks? Like, do they not have an actor? Like. What's going on there? If there they, isn't, they a like they like the guy and they want to have more more shooting days. Yeah, and it's Which, just funny to see those people uh, a different version of the same character. Really, that's yeah. that's all. I, that's what I think it is. Yeah, it it was cool. You know, I was cool to see. I do like Elias Cotes when he comes back as Casey that first time, even though the jokes are really weird. It's like Saturday morning guest spot on another TV show or something. It was so weird. <laughs> Other thing um, I wanted to say about yeah. the jokes, now that you mention it, okay, there's like what references to Columbo and Clint Eastwood and like Elvis. Elvis, they're just too old, even for mm-hmm. kids in '93. Yeah. Like I think I didn't even know who Clint Eastwood was probably when I saw yeah. this. Like I didn't watch westerns when I you was know, nine. You know, you know my th- I just feel like the, the 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 humor is a little, a lot of it. A lot of the references, like the Hawaii stuff, Mikey's pretty funny with that, but the references that they make, it's Mm -hmm. what dudes that write it or the comedians, it was for their generation, I guess. Maybe it was for jokes for the parents in the theater at the time. I don't know. It just seems old. My theory behind that is that this this movie is for grandparents' time. This is grandparents' weekend. The parents get, oh, the new Ninja Turtles is out, and it looks like shit. We, let's send the kids to the grandparents and be like, you know, take them to the new Ninja Turtles. They'll love it. And then the grandparents are like, man, I don't get these talking turtle people at all, but I get some Elvis Blue Hawaii. I get some Clint Eastwood. The, the all right. Blue Hawaii thing, like, what are we talking oh, about? Like, oh. like, it's funny. It's funny that a little bit funny that he does it, but it feels old. It feels like Donnie Here's... has not created a way to watch TV <laughs> in the sewer. Right. That's what it, like it feel, or the, uh, at least movies, cable that's... at the time. They only have old movies down there, and that just it that part kind of bugs me because I feel like it should be funnier, you know. And I have a that, side yeah, point yeah. to this, but I'll get to it later. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say to add to that, the anatomy of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 joke is this. 
<laughs> when they have Michelangelo wearing the lampshade, which he received as a gift from April before she goes on to vacation. I don't know anybody who buys gifts for people before they go on to vacation, but that's what she's doing. Oh, that's um, right. She gives him You're a lampshade. Right. Right. So he's like, his first thing isn't to attach it to a lamp that he already owns that maybe has a broken lampshade like she knew about it. And she was gifting it because he would enjoy that. She just yeah. gives him a lampshade and immediately goes onto his head. And the joke is, as somebody's writing it in the script is, hey, hey I'm Elvis from Blue Hawaii, you know, yeah. <laughs> and there's no laugh track. Fuck. There's no laugh track to cue you to laugh at that, but it's you. It's it's registering on the base level of comedy, on the base level of our reptile brains, to give it a chuckle just because it's uncomfortable not to at this point. <laughs> and so, a lot, uh, a lot of the jokes in the about film it way more than it deserves credit. I think just breaking just breaking down the structure of how the jokes work in TMNT three. They're all on this base level of cheapness is, I guess, my my overarching point. <laughs> uh, I just found, you know, you found the humor in something that but I, liked I thought the, was okay. I liked, but I, I, liked I found the, the humor in this mostly, just the just old-ass references, even for the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely suspect and could be perceived as, like, some, you know, some hidden detail, the same, you know, some hidden detail that, that maybe they only get old movies down there or something. That's all they have uh, could be cool, but you know, unnecessary. And, and why is it that that's the level of comedy that they're working from? You're right. It's strange. Uh, I, I, it's just bad. <laughs> My, the, side, the side topic I have with this is if you have the word teenage as the, in the title mm-hmm. and this, obviously it's the first word in teenage mutant Ninja turtles. You're going to have to tweak that to what teenagers are now. So does Donnie watch a bunch of YouTube and is Michelangelo watching Twitch a lot? Um, Mm. You know, what the fuck sports do kids play these days? Is that what Raph is doing? You know, it's 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 like you have to what the fuck is a teenager now? And that's what you kind of have to, you know, kind of redo some of that. Like, yeah. And you know, surf. The, the cool thing is, skateboarding and Shit. and surfing even are more popular than ever. So that part can stay in. You know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I wonder. Right. Yeah, it's uh, they handle it well in the 2012 series and kind of show a little bit more. You know, like Mikey's got a. They've all got little smartphones and they've got video games and. You know, they're in touch right. to a certain degree. So for whatever reason in this movie, there's, the humor seems to be a bit out of touch. But yeah, I think you're right. A key to these characters is figuring out what is a teenager at that time and place. I, I think Rise also does a lot of this stuff too, where there's a lot of, you know, there's a different style of comedy now that comes from that younger generation that is related to that generation. So, you know, we may not get it even in our heads as 36-somethings, um, 36-year-olds, but you know grandpas and even our parents probably don't get half of what's going on there but you know i think it is crucial to the the longevity of these characters and with different yeah. iterations for you sure have to, so you have to update yeah seth rogan and uh his production company and evan goldberg his writing partner are putting together the next teenage mutant ninja turtles film um and one of the quotes that came out on paraphrasing is is that they're going to concentrate mostly on the fact that they are teenagers then and there and how their ninja training uh relates to that and how their 
how they're perceived in the world and how they perceive the world around them relates directly back to that. So I think that's cool. It sounds like in good hands, in my opinion. Um, I, oh, I, I think, think Seth really Rogen's awesome. a great pick for this. Yeah. Um, wh- uh, what other Ninja Nuggets you got for me, bro? So I got another smaller Ninja Nugget just to round us out, and we'll do some Indeeds after this. Um, but in the original con- comic books, the Time Scepter uh, is normally associated with the character called Rene, which I meant, which I mentioned a little bit before, who is the Timestress, apprentice of Lord. <laughs> She's the apprentice of Lord Simultaneous, which I think is an awesome That's <laughs> bad a cool guy name. name. That's yeah. a cool name. Yeah, and she often encounters a character called Savanti Romero. Um, none of these characters appear in the film, however, but it's nice to know that that Time Scepter is floating around somewhere and this is you know like we were saying about canon and everything to me i don't need like a a complete stretching story from beginning to end through generations of these characters i like the new iterations i like i don't like thinking of things as remakes so much but i like the updated versions of my favorite characters you know i think most people do but there are those critics out there maybe i agree who think it's such a rehash we were we are going to get batman movies at least within every five years you know like we're going to get them so enjoy <laughs> yes it's you know same thing ma- with turtles and, yeah turtles and and all these like fan favorite kind of franchises anyway so out of uh, 10 indeed oh sorry go ahead before we do this can I go just a few more notes and you can edit a, edit anyway oh, yeah. which way you want it yeah just to just to give you more to more here going with the scepter thing there's supposedly uh there's DVD and Blu-ray cases of the movie that instead of the scepter, they're holding a sword. So this could allude to the fact that cool. it was supposed to be a magic sword instead of the scepter at first. Uh, and maybe this person that wrote this online, uh, mm-hmm. either they're correct or somebody for some reason uh, changed the scepter into a sword in Photoshop way after the fact. Yeah, but that'd be um, a silly thing to do. <laughs> that'd be a really true. deep so, cut troll so it's it's probably just a magic sword which is which is cool and uh side tangent to that is i don't know why they call this thing an egg beater why the fuck egg timer she calls it it an egg timer yeah yeah like who has an egg timer that looks like that that's not it looks like a fucking lantern just say it's a lantern or (laughs) something like that it's another one of the mysteries of the complex nature of the sense of humor that runs oh, through God. the the life the through the veins of this this intelligently crafted sequel. You're killing <laughs> me with that stuff. <laughs> uh, for the cast, Vivian Wu was also in The Giver. Oh yeah. Uh, she was apparently got famous being, I think, in the play The Last Emperor in China, mm-hmm. I believe. She mm-hmm. was in the Joy Luck Club and Heaven and Heaven and Earth. These are Chinese films. She played she Mitsu? All, yeah. And then she She's great, actually. She, yeah, she was she was good. And uh she started with Ewan McGregor and Peter Greenway's award winning The Pillow Book. I remember mm-hmm. seeing that a little bit here and there in the nineties. Cool. Uh and she's still working. She was in the in 2019. She was a series regular on Netflix's Away. Uh, that's a that's a show that Netflix made. Sab Shimono, 
Sab Shimono, the guy with the fucking hair, uh, yeah. the Shogun. I don't know why he had that fucking thing, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. don't know why they made that choice. But he voiced Subotai in Conan. Uh, he's also uh, in DC's Legends of Tomorrow as Ichiro Yamashiro. He's in he's Conan. A voice. Yeah, in Conan. And Conan, he's Subotai or voice. Oh, Conan. Conan. I thought. Never mind. <laughs> He's, he voices a, some voice in Samurai Jack, and he's also voices Dr. Murakami in the 2012 TMNT uh, show. Nice. So he's still in the mix. That's uh, cool. Main the evil TMNT British dude, fam. Yeah. Main evil British dude Stuart Wilson is also in Hot Fuzz as Dr. Robin Thatcher. Mm. And I tried to find anything on Yoshi played by Travis A. Moon, but this apparently was his only role ever. Oh, wow. He was good. Yeah, he's good. He's good. And and by the way, just two more things before we yeah, before yeah. I wrap up. Um, do you Let's talk about what I think we both think is, well, not, not just one scene, but like they're connected scenes. Uh-huh. The, the scene, the best scenes in the movie, correct me if I'm wrong, Raph, is it Raph or Michael? It's Raph going into to the fire, right? It's Mikey who goes into the fire, actually. Mikey goes in the fire. Yeah. Probably should have been Raph just to keep things whatever. But, yeah, that's good. And yeah. then Raph, does he even fucking cry in that scene when he's hugging Yoshi with the yo-yo? <laughs> like, right. That is, those are two really great, solid scenes. Like, this, it's not quite to the level of Ghost Splinter um, in, you know, above the fire and Ninja Turtles one, that's one of the right. best. Scene. That's, that's an awesome scene. That's a great scene. Right. Doesn't get to that level, but it's pretty good. It's probably got more heart than any of the scenes in, in the second movie. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I, well, I think, I think that the Raphael and Yoshi scenes, um, especially that one right before they go off to the battle and everything, yeah. uh, really, really save the movie for like giving it a really worthwhile, substance uh out of the whole thing and then yeah mikey's heroics and stuff (laughs) and just the way that they're revered in feudal japan and how it how it it gives them something new you know to work with and we really got to see a little bit more emotional context or a little emotional content with with the turtles um near the end of this film i think you're right those are two of the best scenes all right, so another another big part of this movie is it's got uh, the Kappa, K-A-P-P-A, in Japanese, Kappa. Uh, the Kappa is like, a, it's what you call a yokai, which is essentially a, basically a monster in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you've probably heard of Oni, which is a demon, and Tengu is another big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's, there's probably thousands of these. There's There was a show called Yokai Watch in Japan, a, an anime a few years ago that was supposed to be the next Pokemon, but it never really quite caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you were catching yokai, but you, it was a lot of yokai in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Kappa's one of these, it, it translates to river child, also mm-hmm. known as Kawataro, which is basically river boy. And mm-hmm. I didn't know this before researching it, but it's there's another uh, term called komahiki, which means horse puller. I'm sure there's some historical reason for that. Whoa. Yeah. Kawa Tora, which is river tiger. Suiko, which is water tiger. There's a bunch of names. Again, Japan's old ass country. There's a lot 
of historical reasons for all this stuff, I'm sure. And, you know, the mm-hmm. words change based on the local dialects and things like that. But uh, it's funny because, yeah, the Kappa are basically like a monster turtle looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like green human like beings. They got webbed hands. Um, mostly turtle-like. They have a carapace on their back, a shell, a shell, and um, the other, but the thing that's different though from Ninja Turtles, of course, is well, they don't do fucking martial arts for one, as far as I know, and <laughs> they fucking have a dish, like a depression on the on their head, like hmm. almost like like a monk, like a like a like a European monk would have like right. that bowl that bowl cut called right. tonsh, tonsure. Yeah. This is they got this uh this depression on the hair literally like you could you could put water in it and oh, wow. uh yeah and it said uh if the if the water in this if it's if this depression is damaged or the liquid is lost either through spilling or drying up the kappa can be severely weakened <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> that's um, interesting completely it is a, sep- go ahead go ahead go ahead uh, it, it is a kind of a fun kind of coincidental connection there that the kappa do share some similarities with the turtles because in the movie there it's like this you know this historical fable that the the daimyo follows of his ancestors being shamed by the kappa and they have this painting of it um you know it's another one of those things that shoehorned into the movie but it is kind of cool that there is, a, you know, a, the, this yokai out there, the kappa, that share some similarities with them and how that played into the story, even though it seemed like a, kind of an added-on thing into the script or whatever. Maybe not. It seemed okay. You know, I, I think that's pretty It's not bad. Interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, again, it's like the Japanese side of this movie is not all that bad. Like, it's, right. you know, connecting kappa with Ninja Turtles is, is pretty cool. It's yeah. it's a real cultural thing, man. So I thought, yeah, it's a it's a good idea. Uh, the kappa are known to like cucumbers, and if you get cucumber sushi in Japan, mm-hmm. it's called a kappa maki. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so and just one last thing, it's just something you yeah. got to know about the kappa. <laughs> no, I love it. They're they're accused of assaulting humans in water <laughs> from water. Um, they're good and bad, you know, it depends on, um, it depends on the cop, I guess, but, yeah. uh, they're, they're, sp- they're supposed to, they're known for trying to remove a, a mythical organ that humans are supposed to have called a shiri kodama from the victim's anus. <laughs> and I think in modern times, you know, I think that generally it's from a river, right? They called the, river yeah. boy and shit, but obviously <laughs> yeah. I think in mo- modern times they come up through the toilet. Okay. And, and Damn, grab whatever goofy. from your ass. Remember, yo, Ninja Turtles are cute, but but yokai <laughs> more or less. They, there can be cute versions of yokai, uh-huh. but there's obviously a very R-rated version of oh, yokai too. These are <laughs> cultural mythological monsters. These are I demons. There's some good ones too. It right. Depends. Right. But uh, it's like great. if you refill, if you fill, if you fill up the the depression on their head with water, the kappa will serve you for all of eternity. I read. Whoa. <laughs> there's a shrine cool. to there's shrines to them as well. There's kappa mm-hmm. shrines. Uh, one in particular in Aomori Prefecture. There's one called Kappa Dera, uh, also known as Sogen Temple. 
in uh, Kapabashi in Tokyo. So mm-hmm. it's around, man. They're around. That's um, interesting. That's cool. But uh, yeah, so probably more connected to um, Shinto than Buddhism, but that's the whole of the conversation. Yeah. But yes, but yeah. yes. For what uh, it's I, worth, yeah. yeah. For what it's worth, I think they did a good job of of having a well-informed you know, a fairly well-informed feudal Japan setting that we got in this film. That was like, really, I thought that was going to be one of the more boring aspects of it, seeing them displaced out of New York. But it was actually really great, um, uh, the adventures that they could have. It's good to know that that's kind of like a thing that they do now as well because um, Turtles and Feudal Japan, it just works. It's it's super cool. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it. Like we've said this many times throughout this, but it was it's it's bad, but it's you know it's it's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, you wanted to go over indeeds. Yeah. So uh, out of ten indeeds, how many do you give Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three? <sighs> you know, going in with super low expectations, I give it. It's in the five range, maybe four point five. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty high. <laughs> pretty high, huh? Well, I mean, 4.5. I, I was expecting no, yeah, yeah. a one or a two. So, yeah. I'll first give was it was a nine, nine point five, easy. Nine point five, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I'll give this one. I want to say a three point nine, just skirting the edge of a four there, <laughs> and not, not because you know it is not so great, and I mean, there's it's. I can take it. I can I can enjoy parts of this movie. I know that now. I don't know that I'll ever see it again. I don't know that it'll ever come up. But if it does, I won't be mad about it. I'll be like, ah, actually, you know, maybe even have a little conversation there about it in the boring parts. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I would say about 3.9. What's the best thing about this movie? The best thing about this movie to me, I think the best thing about this movie is that it's – somewhat unapologetic about its structure, its plot, its uh, writing and everything. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't sit too long on making this thing Citizen Kane because it it knows it's not going to be. So it just kind of like cuts through everything possible that could work. Um, And, you know, a lot of things kind of fall flat. A lot of jokes fall flat. Some of the stunts fall flat. I like the fighting scenes, but I don't think that they're, super great or anything they're not really memorable man yeah. not at all like yeah. you have like the comedic Wait, my like, fellow chucker a eh? and all like <laughs> yeah. those kind of scenes and it's just not yeah. not all that memorable in this one really, yeah you know? hold on after that all being said my favorite part of this movie is donatello getting to whoop some ass i guarantee yeah, you this true. is this is one of the few times you really get to see him that's not true they usually get some good fighting but i liked that about this that was my favorite part <laughs> I always feel like they're, they're good with Donatello, but the fact that they can't do a whole lot with half the team, which is Leonardo and, and Raph, it's just, right, that, that, yeah. and even Michelangelo, like you said, in the UK, that really does yeah. suck. And hopefully we're in a different place. Hopefully Seth Rogen can fix this and yeah. they need to look, man. I know it's Ninja Turtles and ninjas they're using mainly okinawan weapons and there wasn't a story well i think there might have been some ninja in okinawa but Mm -hmm. like the sai for example is and Mm -hmm. and nunchucks are super okinawan that didn't really not really a mainland japanese thing Mm -hmm. historically Mm -hmm. but 
I would love for them if they're, I mean, they got to do it. It's their weapons, but get some real sigh shit in there. Like, like I feel like yeah. you never really see like, you know, like fucking what? raft yeah. tearing it the fuck up, flipping. It. You can, <laughs> you can flip those things. I know it's probably hard with their fucking um, suit Fingers. on, yeah. but I'm sure you could do something and I'm sure yeah. I haven't done it recently, but I'm sure there's some incredible Sai Kata on YouTube right now. And it's like, get yeah. that guy, get that girl in the suit who gives a fuck. They're wearing a suit. Like, yeah. you know, have like the most, my plan, my wish for you, Seth Rogen is to have the most incredible, but also traditionally correct weapon work in the next iteration they and, and you know sometimes with michelangelo especially i feel like he's they're kind of like whipping around pretty good because we've seen yeah. we've seen great nunchuck work with bruce lee and even michelangelo mainly and swords they're, they're in everything so that's easy enough yeah but yeah. i think for some i don't know why i'm on this tangent but the sigh it's just i feel like there hasn't been that amazing sigh scene in any movie Maybe there's a Japanese movie out there that I'm not aware of, but it's it's fertile ground for a writer in Seth Rogen's court to really stake his or her claim. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. It's for new. Sure. It would be new. And of course and all the other weapons as well. Yeah, you know? let's you know, let's really raise the stigma of ninja weapons in popular culture. This is ridiculous. I'm sick of it. Yeah, exactly. Ninja weapons are wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they are. Back to the review, 4.5, probably 5. Yeah, 4.5, 4.75 maybe. 4.75, yeah. that's the review. That's the number. All and right. it's the Yoshi scenes were great. I wanted more from the grandfather. Um Casey, they didn't know what the fuck to do with. There's not They should have had a monster they should have gone back and had another, uh, not not the British dudes. They didn't have the budget though, which sucks. Yeah, but they, they yeah. could have made one Agreed. more suit, one more Toka Razor type of Agreed. cheap suit. Yeah, or actually incorporate. This, by the way, this is the worst actually, splinter. Yeah, he looks terrible. Actually, incorporate Kappa in there and get some old turtle suits or some other molds and rough them up or something. I don't know. But yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah, Splinter's rough too. There was a fourth film planned originally. Apparently, there's an, a fourth installment called TMNT, The Next Mutation. And in this concept, the ooze that transformed the turtles and Splinter was still in their bodies, causing a much more drastic second mutation. Another plan was discussed that was to add a fifth turtle named Kirby, named after comic artist Jack Kirby. However, the project got stuck in development and plans for a fourth theatrical live-action movie fell apart. <laughs> I, okay, so I have some more information, and they would get new powers, all right? Mikey would have developed a human-like appearance that would allow him to go to the surface. Donnie's Whoa. eyesight would have faded, and he would make special goggles that allow him to see better. Interesting. Leo, Leo would change his skin to a chrome-like surface. Badass. Raph would have turned more monstrous. And get Whoa. this, Splinter would have bulked up. <laughs> Interesting. Okay? And they're also... Casey Jones would have gotten electrical fists and there would what? have been an evil April O'Neil. It yes. was going to have, there's concept art for Fang, another shredder, a guy named spider, nano spider, 
I, I think another super shredder. Wow. And uh, they would have met the Cyberfoot. Holy this, shit. This sequel would have gone fucking ape shit. That sounds incredible. First of all, they've been trying to put goggles on Donnie for a while now, it seems. Yes, I, I know. I don't know why they want to do that. Yeah, so we got that much. Um, that's an interesting take. That would have been a pretty cool adventure. Really nuts, actually. The Cyberfoot, is that what you said? Yes, the Cyberfoot. Nano Spider. This artwork looks awesome. There's some there, There's some info. Most of the time, they're calling it the next mutation. That okay, is what yeah. mostly comes up. But I did find in one source that it was called... TMNT four, the foot walks again, mm-hmm. and that was written by Craig Shapiro and John Travis. Uh, so, and that, that's, that's cool. all kind of the same thing. I wonder there. if there are scripts of that floating around, dude. If we find that, that would be sweet. It might be. There might yeah. be something around there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool. It would have been an insane sequel. Uh, but yeah, dude. But yeah, with all that being said, I think. Unless you got anything more, My, the notes are done, man. Thank you. I think we, I think we covered all that there is needed to be said about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. It's not great, but it's not the worst. It's definitely the worst of the trilogy, but it's not the worst movie. So you know, if you're ever stuck watching it, just try and find something you like about it. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, you know, you don't got to watch it. I'm just saying, if if you're entertaining some turtle fans that happen to be watching it and you don't want to be a jerk there's some parts that are okay <laughs> um, it's fine i'm glad i'm glad we covered it and just for completion's sake and uh and yeah i mean ninja turtles three yep you know you have to go out of your way to watch it but hey there it is <laughs> so this is shaboy wolfie Thanks for joining us for this episode. It surely was a lot of fun. Um, actually, I think we went covered a lot of good ground here and learned a lot of new things about stuff we didn't know about this movie or Turtles in general. Uh, I'd like to thank Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B., Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett, Ian H., Dan D., Leom O., and Super Inframan. Please join the Shasta Army and check out that $5 tier in which you get the bonus feed. Uh, every week we have another episode we do deeper dives and news and things like that. Um, that's the $5 tier. And uh, the Shasta Army, just the $1 tier, you get a shout-out on the show. And uh, we'll probably add more to the $1 tier as well uh, later on. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And also, please take out your phone, use your phone, uh, your voice recorder app, and record us a little something, and then send that little something to Superhouse podcast at gmail.com and we will can put that little thing you recorded on the show and I am Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter check us out on YouTube if you're not already just search for superhero stuff you should know on there it should come up and that's it Kalbanga y'all I'm out and this is Wolfie signing off This has been brought to you by the Superhouse Podcast Network. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show uh, or the Superhouse Podcast Network, uh, go to our Patreon at patreon.com backslash superhousepodcast.